Hey, welcome to the Art of Successful Living. My name is Joanne Williams. This podcast is all about learning how to overcome personal difficulties, make better choices, and cultivate a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining in today as we begin a new series called Seven Places Jesus Bled. You know, Resurrection Day is just around the corner. So what better topic to talk about than Jesus and the seven places he shed his blood? And what is the significance of that? Seven places Jesus shed his blood. Or seven places Jesus bled. There are seven specific places in which Jesus bled. Most merely think of his blood being shed on Calvary's cross, which is true. And apart from his finished work on the cross, the specific places Jesus shed his blood would be meaningless. Because of his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the Father, the different places he bled have great significance and the life of a believer. The blood of Jesus is the power source for our salvation and our freedom. The moment we receive Jesus Christ into our hearts and lives, we are forgiven for our sins. Jesus then becomes Jehovah to Sitkanu, our righteousness, and Jehovah in Kadesh, our ongoing sanctification. We are made righteous by the blood of Jesus that washes away every sin. We are no longer enemies of God. Instead, we are in right relationship with him. And boy, that's good news. By the blood of the Lamb, in Christ's blood, we receive life that death cannot conquer. Jesus has established a new covenant through his blood and he intercedes on our behalf. Romans chapter 8 verse 34. So let's keep that in mind as we begin our studies. Now, first things first, we have to deal with the problem of sin which demands a solution. The Bible tells us Jesus' blood speaks better than the blood of Abel. That's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, which means it perpetually calls down justice and mercy from the throne of our almighty father. We read in the fourth chapter of Genesis how Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve, they were together in a field and Cain killed Abel in a fit of jealousy. We know that and we find that in Genesis chapter four, verses one through eight. Now, this is what happened next. The Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And then Cain responds. He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And then the Lord says, "Uh, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Genesis chapter four, verses nine through 10. The blood soaked earth was crying out for recompense, saying, do something. Punish this man for murdering his innocent brother. The blood cried out because of the following principle, which runs throughout scripture. 
and it's this. The life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11. Because blood represents life. Abel was innocent of wrongdoing and that fact gave loud voice to the silent red pool saturating the soil around his fatally injured body. Sin persisted in rampaging throughout the world. Over the passage of years, no eye-for-eye vengeance or the blood of animal sacrifices instituted under the law of Moses, nothing sufficed until Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, came onto the scene. His bloody crucifixion paid the price for sin once and for all, Hebrews 9, 12. Through his own blood, Jesus entered into the Holy of Holies. The power of the blood was entirely destroyed or has entirely destroyed the power of sin, death, the grave, and hell. We as believers must understand the value of the blood. It corresponds to the value of the life that is in it. So let me give you an example. The life of a sheep is of less value than the life of an ox. Leviticus chapter 4 verses 13 through 14 verses 27 through 28. The life of a man is more valuable than that of many sheep or oxen. Now, who can tell the value of or the power of the blood of Jesus? The soul of the Holy Ghost. Son of God dwelt in that blood. The eternal life of the Godhead was carried in that blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. The atoning virtue of his blood is also infinite. Meaning ain't no end, baby. Oh, you know, I just dropped a bomb on you. Baby, I'm dropping bombs on you. The blood of Jesus will never lose its power. His blood still speaks. It still works. It needs no refrigeration. His blood has divine life. His blood has almighty and unceasing power. Good God Almighty. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. The Jewish people understood the teaching of the blood. When they needed forgiveness, they put blood on the altar of the temple. When they needed mercy, they put blood on the mercy seat. When they needed to hear from God, they put blood on the veil so that they could enter into the Holy of Holies and be in the presence of God. When they needed peace, they brought a blood sacrifice. When they needed healing, they brought a blood sacrifice. Every time they needed a miracle, they offered a blood sacrifice. Go and read Leviticus chapters 1 through 7. Under the new covenant, which is established upon upon better promises, we don't have to apply the blood every time we need a miracle or healing or whatever the need is. All we have to do is call on Jesus. His blood is there every time we need it. 
In chapter 16 of Leviticus, verses 14 and 19, are two different times. The high priest would sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. How many know that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Yep, you know that, right? We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But did you know where the blood was shed? And I'm sure you probably are saying, at the cross. Yes, that's true, as I mentioned earlier. However, his blood was not just shed one time, but seven times. Jesus, the ultimate high priest, shed his blood seven different times to atone for sins for all humanity. Why seven times? Seven is the number of completion. The prophets and the four evangelists tell you that Jesus bled seven times for you and me. The seven times that Jesus bled, it was no coincidence. Each of them were prophetic acts, prophesied about hundreds of years prior to their occurrence. So, and it was executed uh, or not executed, but it was inspired by God and executed by sinful Roman soldiers. So uh, the first time Jesus shed his blood, let's take a look at that. The soldiers took Jesus prisoner and brought him to the high priest Annas because the members of the Jewish high council needed to have two meetings before they could pronounce a death sentence. The interrogation of Annas concentrated on two points, Jesus' disciples and Jesus' teaching. They wanted to know how successful was Jesus. Did he have many disciples? Had they been trained by him to start an uprising? However, Jesus did not respond to Annas' questions about his disciples. He didn't tell them that one of them had betrayed him, that all the others had fled, and that Peter was about to radically deny knowing him. No, Jesus protected his disciples by remaining silent. Jesus said, why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. And you find that in John chapter 18, verse 21. So one of the temple soldiers hit Jesus in the face, probably with a stick or a rod or something. I don't know. He hit him and, and said, this is not how you speak to the high priest. Now, this was the first, but would not be the last time that Jesus would be hit without reason. Just as Micah prophesied, he prophesied they will strike Israel's leader in the face with the rod. Now, Jesus answers, answered uh, them and said, if I had said something wrong, uh, then tell me. But if I am right, then why do you hit me? And that's found in John chapter 18, verse 23. The soldier remained silent. Annas had Jesus tied up again and sent him to the high priest Caiaphas, who 
had summoned the Sanhedrin. Jesus was beaten until he bled during the interrogation. In your place and my place without defending himself. Why? What is the significance of this? To deliver you and me from every accusation of the evil one. Jesus was innocent, but he allowed himself to be falsely accused and abused until he bled without defending himself so that you could be free from every accusation of the devil. The tactic of the evil one is to tip you to sin and then accuse you of having sin. It's telling you stuff like, you know you brought this on yourself. What you have done is unforgivable. God isn't waiting for you to show up and ask for forgiveness again. You know very well what you did was wrong. If you allow yourself to be accused by the evil one, then you will continue to feel guilty. The Bible teaches us that the devil accuses us day and night before God. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now God's salvation has come. Now God has shown his power as king. Now his Messiah has shown his authority. For the one who stood before our God and accused believers day and night has been thrown out of heaven. They won the victory over him by the blood of the lamb and by the truth which they proclaimed. I like to say the King James Version, they uh, overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Anyway, they were willing to give up their lives and die. And we find that in Revelations chapter 12, verses uh, 10 through 11. Every accusation from the evil one and every guilty feeling that stems from them was laid on Jesus during the abuse. Through the cross, Jesus has freed us from the power of the accuser. By the blood of Jesus and based on your testimony, the voice of the accuser must be silent. The evil one no longer has a leg to stand on, for there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name, Father. Jesus takes you with him in his victory. And he gives you power of attorney to silence the devil in his name when he accuses you. Jesus was beaten until he bled. It is the devil that accuses you. But I want you to know that your criminal record, everything you've done wrong, has been nailed to the cross, past, present, and future. The blood of Jesus delivers you from every accusation. Doesn't mean that we're going to live perfect, but it means that the blood of Jesus Christ has covered our sins, paid for our sins, past, present, and future. If you have enjoyed this lesson in series on the seven places Jesus shed his blood, Give me a thumbs up. Also, come back next week so you can get the rest of this as we go through this new series. It was a lot of background today, but um, we got to get an understanding. Anyway, 
click that notification button so you can be notified when the next podcast comes out. Until next time, be blessed.